<laughs> I'm having so much fun with this app. Oh my gosh. Okay. Oh crap, I'm recording. Um, <laughs> I've had a lot of questions from the start before I even got onto this app. Because I've always wondered, how do I reach out to others? How do I get myself heard? How do I get paid to even get heard? The answer to this question is so easy. It's not even funny. It's Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. So if you always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Welcome to my podcast, those of you that are on Red Circle. Hi, 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 hi. How are you doing? I am Nana Suzuki, and this is my podcast, which is also on Spotify and Anchor and Google Podcasts and other places that you can find um, my podcast. Um, <laughs> so, welcome. This is my discernment journey. Come and join me. Let's have some fun with our discernment journey. So, if you guys are also in the process of discerning um, what your purpose is in life. I'm right there with you, sister. <laughs> I know exactly what that is like. I know exactly what to expect out of this because, well, actually, I'm really just, like, bullcrapping you right now because I really don't know what to expect with this whole scenario because, honestly, there's nothing you can predict for real in life. That is like 100% concrete, set in stone type deal, you know? So, if there is a prediction to me be made, my decisions today and tomorrow, if there can literally change my future that is ahead of me. So, the path that is ahead of me that I want to take, that I have been wanting to take since I was 18 years old, actually since I was five, but <laughs> when I was five, nobody really, <laughs> nobody really paid attention, I was five, nobody really gave a darn what I had to say when I was five years old, because I was a kid, <laughs> and I said a lot of things, <laughs> because they would be like, hey, none of me, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a nun. My parents were like, oh, but we're Baptist, so you have to pick something else, honey. And I was like, um, I want to be a nun. So there was nothing my parents could do to convince me that becoming a nun was <laughs> not on the agenda. <laughs> they tried so hard to 
practically beat that out of me, like literally beat that out of me. And uh, that remember, I remember 100% with every fiber of my being that my family started treating me a lot differently at that point. <laughs> so yeah, I was five years old at that time. And um, soon after that, uh, my parents lost custody of me. Um, this is a personal story, so I'm just going to, you know, let it out and let you guys know more about me as a person and not just talk about random stuff because I'm pretty sure you guys want to know more about me, the person that's making the podcast, before jumping into more, you know, religious stuff. So, uh, when I was five, um, my mom wasn't in the picture at the time because she had lost the ability to have custody or even come into contact with us kids. And we weren't aware of this. We were just under the impression that our mom didn't love us, she didn't want us, and she didn't give a darn about us. So that's what we were told every single day. And that's what we believe. Um, so then, um, one day, um, our dad came home with a new woman. This woman, he said, was going to have his baby, basically saying that to a five-year-old, to my five-year-old ears, that meant, oh, she's like Mary, she's going to have a child. And, you know, because I associated things religiously at five, I was always going to church every day, because when we were going to school, we were going to a Catholic school, even though my parents were Baptists. And we got a lot of funny stares from the priest when we showed up at church, and it's just like, uh, my parents ex- had the priest explain to me why a Baptist couldn't become a nun. And the priest just said, you know, a Baptist can become a nun if she decides to become a Catholic. And I was like, oh, sure, I I really want to be Catholic. And then my dad got really mad and attacked the priest. So, yeah, that was a really bad memory. <laughs> but I remember it more like, um, I remember the part that was the best part, because the best part was my dad got arrested for it. <laughs> that was my favorite part, the part where my dad got arrested for it. When I checked on the priest, I said, Father, are you okay? And then he goes, I'm alright, little one. And I'm like, I'm sorry my dad did that. He's a butthead. (laughs) I remember specifically saying, he's a butthead. And the priest was like, a lot of people are. I'm like, I'm sorry. And then I told him that I hoped that he got better. And, um, I picked up his rosary 
off the ground and noticed that it was broken. So I took it upon myself to personally fix the rosary. I didn't know how, but I figured it out. I took it to my art teacher and said that the priest where I go to church got beat up by my dad. And I told her that the rosary broke in a scuffle. Basically, in my own little kid way, I said, hey, my daddy beat up this guy that is a priest. And this rosary broke. So I figured if I can get my art teacher to fix it and give it and I give it back to him the next time I saw him it would be an excellent apologetic gift. I mean already at the age of five I was thinking about someone else and not myself. I think I remember my teachers um, treating me a little bit nicer after that because they saw that I had potential to be a good person after that. So yeah, I think that most of my teachers at that age were female and they hated my dad with passion because he's one of those typical male chauvinist pigs that would sit there and just talk down to a woman and treat a woman like a dirt, like literally, he is a horrible, horrible man. Anyway, moving on. Um. So soon, after turning seven, nope, six, six, um, I went to school like I usually did that day. At this, mo at this time, we were forced to live in a car because our dad had lost his job and therefore had lost the ability to pay rent. And then after losing the ability to pay rent, he lost the ability to keep a roof over our head. So we all had to squeeze into the car with everything that we could fit into the car. That was everything we owned. And so that's how that went. And basically everything was um, weird that day because I noticed the teachers were acting strange at first. And then I got told by my teacher to go to the principal's office. She didn't say why. 
We just said you need to go to the principal's office. Someone's waiting for you in the principal's office to see you. So I went up there not knowing what's going on. My brother and my sister were soon to follow. And the next thing I remember is we're sitting in a room, a waiting room, full of other people. Um, it seemed like we were waiting a while, but we were told that we were waiting for our dad to come out of the room. And when our dad did come out of the room finally, he was crying and he was apologizing to us, which was something he really did, if he ever did. So when he did that, uh, it freaked us out. My older sister, my younger brother, and me were all, you know, unexpectedly hauled off in a car to go with a strange lady we didn't know who tried to butter us up by buying us sweets and stuff. I remember I didn't want any sweets. All I wanted to do was go home and I wanted to be with my dad. Even if he was a butthead. Um, <laughs> but, um, so basically after that, um, very few things that I remember going on when I, during that process, and then eventually we dropped my brother off at one place, and then me and my sister were going to another place together, because people were picky and they didn't want two girls and a guy, they just wanted one, they just wanted two girls, and the other person just wanted a boy, so I was like, okay. So I basically dealt with that kind of situation and in foster care during the first year of foster care with my sister separated from my brother, um, we had visitations with our dad which were supervised. Now being 25 I can understand why those were supervised. Guy didn't exactly have a good reputation, and what they found on him that day in his phone and his laptops, all that stuff was just bad, bad stuff. So, yeah, <laughs> our dad was a terrible, terrible guy, and we found out the hard way. And uh, so, during the first year of being in foster care, my sister started acting up. And she started to get angry that I was getting more attention than her. I mean, that's what she believed, that I was getting more attention than she was. When in actuality, I was just having 
problems learning in school. <laughs> I was having trouble staying still in class and behaving, even though I had skipped the first grade and gone into second grade, because apparently I was smarter than all the first graders. So at my age, at that age, I had skipped into second grade and just, you know, I was the rent. So yeah, first year in foster care, sister decides I'm getting too much attention and she wants to take my life. <laughs> so she does everything possible to make sure that I'm in danger. So my foster mom couldn't really handle that. So she had me sent, had me and her separated. She took my sister and had her put in another home because she didn't want my sister to hurt me. So then Lori and I were um, the only ones there. She was teaching me everything she could about being a kid and she taught me really amazing things and showed me awesome things. Um, I believe she took me to Myrtle Beach a couple times. <laughs> she took me to this really cool place um, in Wisconsin um, called the Wolf Lodge, which was really fun. Um, and she took me to Universal in Orlando, Florida for the first time. And I got to ride a lot of really cool rides then. Um, and then uh, soon after that, um, I started going to school again. So the second year with her, I started the third grade and things were going great we were doing well I was doing well and then we started um, coordinating then my foster mom started coordinating with these other foster parents to have us kids meet on a regular basis so that we could be together and then soon we were we found out that we were all three going to be adopted. And we were like, we didn't know what adoption meant as kids. We were like, at that time, when after two years, we were like eight, nine, ten years old. I being the middle child, I was nine, Ariel was ten, and TJ was eight. So none of us understood what adoption was. We didn't do any. We didn't know, and and we didn't know how to act uh, because we never heard of it. And the social worker who came to explain it to us, because the social worker came to the park to meet with us personally and talk to us about it and explain it to us.
um, this triggered my memories because at that time uh, I didn't remember that I had been in foster care once before before I was <laughs> in foster care with Lori I didn't remember that what triggered my memory was the mention of the Klingermans and the Klingermans basically um, after I heard the name Ashley and the name Bobby immediately images of things before my dad started coming to me and I started remembering and I was like yeah uh, I remember this person called Steven and then there was there was David and there was this person there was this person um, Luke and then there was another person and there was this dog named Toodles <laughs> and I was like I said Toodles but the, I think she knew that I meant Tootsie because that was the name of the dog um so it was like wowzer <laughs> and then when she realized that I remembered she was like this is rare for kids to remember anything before the age of three and I'm like, I remember, I remember all of it. <laughs> so yeah, that was also the same day that um, we found out that there was going to be a meeting between us and the Klingermans and that we were going to meet at the mall the next weekend. So we were extremely excited. <laughs> They were going to take us to the Genesee Valley Mall, and we were going to meet the Klingermans for the second time as bigger kids. <laughs> so, I'm going by memory, thinking that Teresa still had beautiful, long, flowing hair, because that's what I remembered. She didn't. Um, she was a little teeny bit chubby, <laughs> just a little bit, but in a cute way, um, and she had shorter hair, she had it cut into a bob haircut, which was very good on her, um, David Klingerman, the husband, um, I went by memory for him, and he, in my memory, he was really, really skinny and overall healthy. Come to find out, when we see him at the mall for the first time in years, he's a husky guy. <laughs> he's like very well built, very muscular and manly and definitely uh, shorter than I remember <laughs> probably because I was so small at the time but yeah 
I still had to look up to see him though. <laughs> now I have to kind of look straight ahead. <laughs> We're the same height. Sort of. He's five foot eight. I'm five foot five. We're almost like I'm neck height on him. <laughs> almost. No, I'm about chin high for him. We're almost there. But I still get to look straight ahead and see him right in the eyes like, what's up? <laughs> so yeah. Years in my adoptive family started out okay. It started out kind of like foster care was. It was okay. We were going to church. We were um, participating in church groups, going to Sunday school, Awanas, vacation Bible school. Um, we did all that stuff. And we stayed in Flushing until we were... Uh, oh, I stayed with them in Flushing. We all did until I was like 12 years old. And my dad had re-entered the military. Gone back to basic training again so that he can work on base as a army reserve and when I found out that we were moving I was not excited I liked going to church where I was going to church I liked the people that I was seeing at church I liked having my friends at church. I liked hanging out at school. I liked the school I was in. I was just not eager to start middle school in another state. So sure enough, we went to North Carolina and ended up going to school in Indian Trails for two years. And then during my, when my high school years began, we moved up to Sanford, North Carolina. And we started going to Lee County High School. My little brother was going to middle school at that time still. So he was going to the middle school for the middle schoolers. And... <clears throat> My sister and I we were going to high school together. She was in the 10th grade and I was in the 9th grade. I was far from excited about going to a new school because my parents had started arranging that I had chaperones everywhere I went. Like... It's like, 
it was really annoying because I didn't really have any me time. I didn't really have any uh, space to make friends or anything um, because um, people didn't want to go near me because of my shadows, basically. That's what they called themselves. They're my shadows. They would follow me around, escort me from class to class, make sure I was on task in class. They would sit with me in class to make sure that I was paying attention in class. And... I remember I was always made fun of because of my so-called shadows. Um, soon after all of that, we found out that my dad's work was moving down to Florida. I was like, oh, well, okay, we were moving to Florida now. I was like, okay, warmer weather not as much of a big deal as what everyone else is making it to be. It's just a state. At least that was what I believed. It's just a state. What's so special about it? Come to find out that when I moved to Florida I started going to high school at Milton High School they don't provide the extra shadows they don't do the shadow thing and I remember being more than ecstatic about it freedom those, that was what was going through my head at that time. Freedom. I was thinking, heck yeah, let's do it. I was beyond happy. So, I was dancing around, I was giddy, and I said, yeah, I can do this. So I started, I got basically a map of the school my class schedule and I started my first day of school on my own without people following me around and escorting me from class to class. I was beyond happy. I could do what I wanted in the morning times and I could just enjoy high school life for the final two years of my high school life and it was fun for the most part I mean it's like from going from having my own room to practically sleeping in a utility closet I mean,
it pretty much turned out that way. Because without the chaperones, I noticed that my parents were more strict about different things. When I could go out, who I could go out with, you know, friends-wise and everything. They were very cautious about everything. Always telling the parents of my friends bad things about me, making me seem like a bad kid. And I always remembered wondering why my parents were doing that. Why they made me seem like I was a bad person all the time. I mean, I was pretty much the one that was always cleaning the house, doing the laundry, basically being a servant around the house. I mean, <laughs> my schedule was always wake up at 5.30 a.m., prep the house, get everything cleaned up, scrub the whole air, scrub the whole house down, clean it like spotless, no exceptions, like spotless, yeah, that was the main thing, it had to be absolutely spotless, so, um, after getting the household chores done in the morning, I would start breakfast. And I wasn't allowed to just make one thing and expect everyone to eat it. I had to do the short order cook routine. Everyone shows what they wanted for breakfast, and they got that. Everyone got ready for school. We all went to school at the same time, and we all came home at the same time. But as soon as I got home, the first thing that I had to do was immediately finish all my schoolwork and then uh, go straight to, to work on making sure that dinner was prepped and cooked and the dishes were clean and all that stuff. So yeah, never-ending work. In the summertime, the chores would pile on to be more than just the usual. <coughs> I would end up having to do yard work, gardening, weeding the garden, um, making sure that there's fertilizer in the soil, watering the plants, getting the right amount of mulch, and putting the mulch down where it was supposed to be. Um, that all was um, the easy part. Um,
sometimes um, I had to build things in the backyard. Um, I had to work on the fence, painted the fence. Um, I remember soon um, during my senior year, um, the people had bought a um, pool and we all had to band together to work on it. Oh, finally, something I didn't have to do by myself. <laughs> so, it was good, for the most part. Yeah. And then graduation happened and um for the first time in my life there was a uh party that I was allowed to go to that was part of the celebration of my graduation. <coughs> I remember my brother was so jealous because I was going to be on a yacht overnight with uh, all of the members of the graduation class. So yeah, everything was awesome. It was hey. called the Lady Anderson. Hey. And there was a lot of stuff going on that day, like, um, part of what happened and what was going on was, um, there was some trivia, some karaoke, um, some contests to win prizes, um, three smoothies, and someone spiked them. <laughs> So everyone that night got drunk, including the teachers. <laughs> Nobody realized until it was too late that the drinks were spiked. <laughs> um, even the staff were surprised that it was spiked because they watched it closely before um, serving it. Apparently what was happening is that it, it wasn't the staff that was um, responsible. It was the fact that when people weren't looking at their beverages or paying attention to their beverages, uh, someone was going around and purposely pouring vodka in everyone's drink. So everyone had a shot of vodka in their drink.
with their drinks. That's pretty much that right there. So yeah, that's part one of my life story. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, I'll be talking more about it in my next episode, so, um, hope you guys enjoy it.